Good morning. My name's Ken. I've been coming here for a lot of years, and I don't recall exactly how many. My kids were little when I started. Um, this morning, uh, we're kind of reinstituting something that we've done historically. These little friendship registers are going to be in the hymn rack in front of you. We ask that you put your name in it and just fill out any information, prayer requests, or, or whatever right there, and then pass it down the row and for the others, and then pass them back up the row so we can see who's sitting with us and, and maybe have a more informal introduction to our congregation. It also helps us keep track of who's coming um, and if they have some needs. I, I get to share with you a great blessing to the Gideons this, this week. Um, the Gideons did receive our offering last week in the amount of $532, which is great. It allows them to purchase 106 Bibles or 341 Testaments to, to be given away to people who have a need to hear who Christ is and what God has done for them. Also, there's a couple of other things in your bulletin here, um, one of which I want to highlight again, um, the Cedar Valley food collection. We do commit to feeding 50 different families from that. Um, we do need dry beans in a one or two pound bag, pouch, uh, white rice, same size, uh, like a 24 ounce tomato sauce or spaghetti sauce, and then dried spaghetti in a one or two pound box. Uh, and so we, we need to keep that food bank stocked so that they, they can take it and, and give it to families that are in need from the Cedar Valley Food Center. Also upcoming is a Medi Mexico fundraiser, our Me Mexico mission. The youth are, are going down there to help out with congregations, do VBS style, ministry to the kids and do some some building projects for the churches down there it's a it's been something that we've been involved in historically and it's good to see that starting up again uh, but there is a fundraiser dinner uh, in february on the 10th it's a friday night and uh, you're just asked to bring money and then consume food and give donations so there there's going to be more detail later. I don't have all the details. And now I ask you to please stand up for our call to worship. In Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3. I love you. Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise. And I have been saved from my enemies. Amen.
please pray with me as we bring our sin before the Lord in confession and hear the good news of our forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we come before you to seek your mercy and grace. We have sinned against you and against our neighbors with wrong attitudes or selfish pride. We have not followed your ways that you have taught, told us in your word. We are sorry. We humbly ask that for your forgiveness and cleansing through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, believe that those who trust in Jesus as their Savior are given and possess everlasting life. Amen.
this time the children are dismissed for children's church. Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with the 12th verse. Just as a body, I don't know what that echo is. There we go. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For you all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. For the whole body, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts 
in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church... First of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Here ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word leads us to truth. Your word is truth. And I pray that we would be a people that would have open ears, open hearts uh, to receive from you in your word today. That it would enter our ear and into our heart and transform us from the inside out to be the people that you desire us to be in the church and in the world. Lord, we thank you for this church. I thank you for the diversity of spiritual gifts that are being exercised by so many different people within the body of Christ. And I pray that we would each know and be informed of what spiritual gifts are, and that we would also have the ability to discover those gifts and then to utilize those gifts within the ministry of the church so that your mission can go uh, forward into this world uh, to bring the good news of the gospel to all people. So give us a passion in this and give us unity in this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week I started preaching on spiritual gifts. It was my goal to inform you about spiritual gifts, to give you the ABCs, the basics of what spiritual gifts are all about. In summary, from last week, every Christian is given a spiritual gift. That is, every Christian is given a spirit-enabled and a spirit-empowered ability that comes from God so that you can serve within the church and so that you can serve in Jesus' mission within the world. And we are called to function as a symphony together. One of the great blessings of Maple Park hosting musical groups here is that sometimes I, I get to sit and listen to their rehearsals. And it amazes me to see a diverse group of musicians, uh, a, a diverse group of people and musical instruments working together in unity to create something that is beautiful and amazing. The same is true within the choir of our church, a diverse group of people joining their voices together to benefit the congregation and with skill to lift our hearts towards the Lord. And our worship band today led us skillfully in the same way. Now, when my voice is added into the singing mix, I've been told it's not very helpful. My, my singing voice is, is not helpful to a choir or to a band. I'm not musical. I never took music class. I can't carry a tune. can't read music or play a musical instrument. One time I did want to learn how to play the harmonica, and I think Katie may remember. Somebody gave me a harmonica. It came with a tape and a book. I'd play the tape, or the, I think it was a CD, 
listen to the instruction in the CD, follow along with the book, and man, I was practicing on that harmonica with everything that I had. One day the harmonica disappeared. <laughs> I have no idea what happened to it. But I know my wife, she is a very wise woman, and if she made it disappear, I wouldn't blame her. <laughs> Musical groups amaze me. They work together in unity to bring something beautiful, something good, something beneficial. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, Now to each one, of, uh, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given... It says, for the common good. So to each one of us is given the Holy Spirit a, a gift from Him, and it's for the common good. The word in the Greek for common good is the word simpharo. Simpharo. That's where we get our word symphony. That's how the church is to operate. We are to operate as a symphony, a diversity uh, uh, a unity and diversity that brings something beautiful to the church and to the world. So the church is called by Jesus to function in the same manner as a symphony. Spiritual gifts are about unity in diversity. A unity uh, within the church, but a diversity of gifts. And then spiritual gifts Remind us that there are no lone rangers in the church. We need one another. We need you. We need your gift. We need your ability. So there are no lone rangers within the church. Even the lone ranger had Tonto. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. These spiritual gifts, which uh, are the, uh, the Holy Spirit-empowered and Holy Spirit-enabled abilities to serve, they come with a purpose. And the purpose of these spiritual gifts is to build up the church. We're stronger as a church body when we are all utilizing our various gifts in God-honoring unity and mission. So there's a diversity of gifts, but one and the same Holy Spirit distributes these gifts as he sees fit. And when we use our gifts, we function as a symphony, working together to bring glory and honor to God. So the question is, do you want to join the symphony? Do you want to join the band? Discover your spirit-empowered and enabled gift. If you haven't identified your gift or your gifts... I pray that, that we can set you on the path of discovery so that you can come to discover what your gift from the Holy Spirit for service in the church and the community is. I believe that every Christian has at least one spiritual gift, at least one spirit-empowered ability to serve in the ministry and in Jesus' mission. So what are the gifts? Last week I moved very rapidly through some points, and this point very quickly. But today I, I have a handout for you, and if you haven't received it yet, that's okay. You can get one as you leave. And I'd like for us to, for you to have the ability to know what these gifts are and to know the definition of these gifts. So available for you today is a list of spiritual gifts from the Bible and their definition. I'd like to tell you, though, that not all Christians agree on the gifts and their function in the church today. So there is some disagreement within Bible-believing Christianity, but we're not going to worry about that in this sermon today. But I do believe that this list is a good list that reflects what we believe, what we teach, and what we confess about spiritual gifts. So these are the gifts. There's the gift of administration, the gift of apostle, the gift of craftsmanship, discernment, evangelism, 
exhortation, faith, giving, healing, helps, hospitality, intercession, knowledge, leadership, mercy, pastor, shepherd, prophecy, serving, speaking in tongues, teaching, and wisdom. I'm not going to take time today to define all of these gifts. But, but maybe for you, if you haven't discovered your gift already, by prayerfully reading this list, maybe the Holy Spirit might cause the lights to come on for you. And maybe the Holy Spirit would use this to, to kind of help you identify what your gift is. Another thing that might be helpful is to take a spiritual gifts test. A spiritual gifts test. A spiritual gift test is like a personality test or a personality inventory. And they're, they're free and they're online. This last week I went online and I decided to choose the first one that was on the Google search. It was about a five minute test and on the sheet today there's a QR code which you can scan with your camera of your phone and you can take the test right on your phone. It only takes about five minutes or you can go to the website to take the test. And uh, it, it, it really identified what I knew already were my gifts. The gift of evangelism. I really am energized with sharing the gospel with people in my uh, conversations that I have with others and leading the congregation to be more effective in evangelism. Mercy uh, is another gift that I have. And I, I really believe that, that mercy and Pastor Shepherd kind of go hand in hand. That is a desire to come alongside people who are hurting. It energizes me to enter into a crisis situation and to bring a sense of peace and of the presence of Jesus in the midst of horrific crisis. I've also found that, and this is a, a, a gift that I believe still needs to be developed, but the gift of teaching. That is the ability to teach the Word of God, to explain the Word of God to people so that they can understand it. And then the gift of apostleship, which is really the gift of mission, which may involve starting new churches as the apostles were sent uh, to plant new churches around the world. So these gifts, just taking that short five-minute test, I was able to identify my top five gifts, top three being uh, evangelism, mercy, and teaching. So I encourage you to take that test and to discover, possibly, this may help you discover what your spiritual gift is. But I believe the most impactful way to discover your spiritual gift is to try out various opportunities of service within the church. By actually getting out and trying different things, you'll soon discover what you're gifted at, and you'll discover what you're not very gifted at. Which is just as important. Failure is just as important as success. Because when we fail at something, we, we may come to understand this is not my area of ministry. And to try to continue to work in that mode or operate in that way only exhausts and burns out rather than energizes. So by actually getting involved and trying different things, you'll discover what you are gifted to do and what you're gifted to not do. For example, you may try teaching a class and you discover that as the kids are, are hearing what you have to say, they're beginning to pick up on biblical truth. You, you'll, you'll, and, you're, and you're excited about what's going on. Now, sometimes teaching kids, especially junior hires, doesn't matter how gifted you are, can sometimes be difficult. I'm not going to say it's always easy and you're always going to be successful. Uh, we've got to be real about this. Um, then, then you might be, be called to come, to come to somebody's side in the midst of, of horrific crisis and difficulty. And you're, you find that you're able to bring the peace of Jesus into that situation. You may have the gift of mercy. 
But then you might try organizing the details of the ministry budget, and as you crunch the numbers, you just end up with a headache. You can't make the numbers and the math balance to match the mission need. Or if uh, managing a calendar or documents and filing things and doing all that stuff drains all your energy. If the bylaws need to be edited and you're depressed at the prospect of such a task, you probably don't have the gift of administration. But if that sort of stuff excites you and you're energized by it, maybe you have the gift of administration. My top gift is evangelism, but I'm not any good at organizing evangelistic events. Administration is not my gift. So it's wise for me to not take charge of managing administrative duties. That's why I'm so glad that people, since I've been here, have stepped up to the plate. People like Mike Gay, who's now our church administrator. He's energized by that stuff. And what a blessing that is. To a certain extent, we all need to be organized. But it doesn't mean we're all energized by the same thing. Like me, I'm not energized by organization and administration. The best way to discover your spiritual gift is to try and experience various types of ministry. If you're not good at what you do, if it drains you, and there's no effect, then you're probably not gifted in that way, and you're not utilizing the gifts that you truly have in ministry. Maybe it's time for a shift. Shift into a different ministry. Shift into a different role. Make a shift before you burn out. When a baseball player is young, he'll try different positions on the field to discover what position he plays best at. My two boys play baseball. And last night I was talking to them about the different positions that they play and what they're good at and what they're not good at. My son Daniel said he can't play third base because he wouldn't be able to react fast enough to catch a 100 mile an hour line drive to his shins. And he said he isn't a very good catcher because he loses balls in the dirt when there's a bad pitch. But Santana plays both third base and catcher best because he can handle low balls coming in fast and he can react fast. He almost never misses a fast pitch bouncing off the dirt. But for them to learn their position on the ball field, first they had to play positions that they were bad at and then they discovered the positions that they were good at. Not everyone in the church has the same gifts and abilities. There is a diversity of gifts, but together we make a team that is able to function an effective mission to our community and ultimately to the glory of God. So my takeaway for you today is two things. First of all, discover your gift. Discover your gift by maybe reading the list and praying through it taking a spiritual gifts test, trying different means and methods or uh, functions of ministry. Come to discover what your gift is. And then number two is find a place to serve. Because we need you. We need you in this church. We need your gift. We need your ability so that we can move forward in mission. But I would really miss something big in, in closing here if I failed to teach on the motivation behind spiritual gifts. I want to close today with the motivation behind spiritual gifts. Here's the thing. We can create an active mission team here at Maple Park Church. We can get all of our administrative and evangelistic ducks in a row. We can find a place for everybody to be doing something and still fail. 
We might even fill every pew and every service and discover that we need to start another service and discover that we need to start another church to have this place full and active and really people would look at it and say it's incredible and still fail. Don't think for a second that rear ends and the pews and people in active ministry equals success. Church, that is not the definition of success. The true definition of success is spelled with four letters. L-O-V-E. Love. That is the true definition of success within the church. If we don't have love for one another, if we don't have love for our community, all we're doing is creating a bunch of noisy activity. Church success is not measured in the same way that the world measures success. And I think too often we bring worldly definitions into the body of Christ and we believe that we're successful because we're doing these things and these things are happening. But in the end, there's no love. So I pray that we have love in our hearts before we do anything in Jesus' name. I pray that we have love for others before we engage in outreach and evangelism. I pray that the love of God will drive our church more than anything else. Because without love, we fail. I imagine there are some really big churches that are growing like crazy, but they're failing. And I imagine there are a ton of little churches that aren't growing that are a banner of success in God's eyes. Because they're loving. You see, success in God's eyes isn't necessary success in the world's eyes. Love is the hallmark of success in the church. And then we need to define what is this love? What is the love of God? Is the love of God a feeling? Is the love of God something that we need to work hard at tapping into? I believe that the love of God is a reality today in action. The love of God is a reality in action. The love of God is in the action, not that we have taken, but in the action that He took in sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ. So the greatest definition of love is Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Love is the action that God took on your behalf to redeem you. 1 John 4.10 says, this is love. Here's a definition of love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You can't earn this love, and nor do you deserve this love. We tend, as human beings, to love only those we feel are deserving of our love. So I'm only going to love the people that I feel deserve my love. If someone disrespects me enough, I stop loving them. If someone rejects me, I stop loving them. But God keeps on loving us. He keep, continues to love us even when we disrespect him and when we reject him. Some would say this kind of love is crazy. Crazy God for loving somebody like me. I'm so inconsistent in my devotion to you, yet you're relentless in your love towards me. God never stops loving you, 
He demonstrated his love for you. That while you were still in your sin, Jesus, the Son of God, died for you. I really wish I could express with words how amazing Jesus is. I think that's one of the most frustrating things as a preacher is to try to communicate the love and the grace and the majesty of God. I wish I had the words. I wish I had the ability to tell you how amazing Jesus is and how amazing his love is. But no man or woman can fully articulate God's love. His love is something that, that you have to receive for yourself. Something that you have to know for yourself to truly understand and be transformed by it. And when we're captured by his love, we, we come to see that no man can measure how high or how wide or how deep the love of God is. Maybe that's why I have such a hard time articulating the love of God. It's something that man cannot articulate. His love, the ultimate expression of Jesus' love, is the cross. Jesus was given to shed his blood for you so that we would be a people transformed by that love and express that love using our gifts and our abilities in God-honoring unity and in God-honoring service and in God-honoring mission. But hear this. This list is nothing without love. So may we be transformed by the love of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you've come to us and that you meet us here in your word. Through the preaching of your word, I pray that we would not be a congregation that gets excited about doing all sorts of things and then forget about what ultimately should be motivating us, and that's you and your love for us. So, Lord, I do pray that we would discover our gifts, that we would be used in, in service for your glory and your honor and unity together. The Lord, may the motivation always be your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's children say... Amen. Amen. Please stand as we sing together our song. Lord, whose love and humble service for the praise of your name, who upon the cross was
may be seated. Alex, I'm going to need you to bring that hand handheld mic up for me. I thought I was forgetting something. So I bring our prayer request before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, we pray for the many people within our congregation who are going through difficulty in life. Lord, we pray for your healing. We pray for your comfort. We ask, Heavenly Father, that all who were walking through the difficulties of this life would have a profound and real sense of your presence with them today. So we ask, Lord, that you would do this in your power and your grace. Use us, Lord, as a church to come alongside, to comfort and to encourage one another. We pray for the Johnson family as Noel has lost his mother this past week. We pray for comfort for them. Uh, we also pray for the Rice family and for the preparations that are being made for her service. And uh, we pray for others within the congregation too. We pray for Don Edwards, Claire Andreas, Dennis Erickson, Bob and Lan Wicks, Debbie Truex, and others. Heavenly Father, you know each and every name. We pray for Roland Haight, Marika Okita, for Malachi and Malia, for Justin. Heavenly Father, work in their hearts, work in their minds, that they would know that you are the God of all comfort who surrounds us in the midst of our difficulty. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's children say, Amen. And Lord, we also pray for the offering today. Thank you that we have an opportunity to give. And Lord, may you increase the gifts that are giving to bring you glory in the church and throughout the world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. invite all who hunger for the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to come forward and to receive of this sacrament. Uh, we believe that Christ is present with us here, that he comes to us in a very real way through the bread and the wine, although here at Maple Park we don't serve wine, it's grape juice. We invite you to come to the center aisle. Uh, if you're on the sides, the far sides, please go to the back and everybody come down to the center aisle and receive. Uh, if you have children that have not yet been instructed in receiving uh, Holy Communion, then we can give them a blessing uh, in place of receiving the elements. So we invite all who are baptized and all who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to come forward and to receive this offering. And we will be serving the, the worship team first. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
want you to hear the gracious invitation of our Lord given to us in Holy Scripture. Jesus says to you today, come to me, all you who were weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. The motivation is the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. We don't come to the altar and receive because we are worthy of this gift. We come because we're in need. We need to hear once again, we are forgiven. We need to hear once again that we are loved. And we need to receive that as we take bread and as we take juice. And it's made real to us as in the eating and the drinking. The congregation, please rise. Let us together confess our faith as expressed in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Holy, holy, holy. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Scripture says, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, and we all share of the one loaf. You may be seated. Worship team may come forward and receive the sacrament.
crucified and risen Savior has now given you his holy body and blood, through which he has made full satisfaction for all your sin. May he strengthen and preserve you in true faith unto everlasting life. Amen. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six wrote, For whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.